Hi, it's Dave. This is part two of three parts from my conversation with Zach and Jesse Cotaldo. They run a YouTube channel called Now You Know about Tesla and renewable energy. Recently, Zach shared a video on his channel predicting that Tesla will stop selling cars to the public in the future in order to focus on the robotaxi network. In this video, we discussed this issue from various angles. And though we ultimately disagreed on many things, we did agree that robotaxis have huge potential and will disrupt transportation. And what I'd like to get to though is I would like to skip this conversation almost um, because we're talking about car ownership and that is yeah. almost <laughs> done. We're almost done with that era. And so even we oftentimes are thinking about car ownership. But if we're right, and this is kind of where we really do have a split, there's plenty of people who think Elon will never pull this off or no one will pull it off and there won't be self-driving cars. But if there are, and I can imagine that that is true, especially seeing what the full self-driving beta release can do now. If it's true that we're going to have self-driving cars, then I posit that there will not be car ownership soon, which changes so many things that we can't wrap our head around because we're Americans and we're like, it's a God-given right to have a car. Uh, but if you don't have a car, that means that we don't need so many of them, which mm -hmm. is a huge change. Yeah. Uh, because one thing people always say is, well, how, how is Tesla ever going to make enough? 95% of the time, your car is just sitting there doing nothing. Yeah, I mean, once we once we go to the robo network, we don't need so many. Mm -hmm. um, uh, for those watching, um, Zach and Jesse did a great video on um, why Tesla won't be selling cars in the future to the public after RoboTaxi Network gets up. Uh, great video. Um, I actually wanted to uh, dig a bit deeper into that because I thought, you know, there's definitely some interesting um, things that you, you put forth there. I'm curious, what's your timeline? When, like, in terms of, like, what year do you think... Let's actually hash some of this stuff out. What year do you think Tesla will launch their RoboTaxi Network what year do you think um, Tesla will stop selling vehicles to the public? And what around what year do you think people just, in general, half or more of the people in the world just won't own cars anymore? So, well, we know that they're going to be making a robo-taxi soon. They, we, they leaked it at Battery Day, a covered car, $25,000. And I think they might start selling it, as in you could buy one. I think that they're going to kind of work their way up the food chain of stopping the sales of cars. So I think that they would start with that robo taxi. And if we're talking year, I think I think two years is uh, plausible for them to have a one city in America where this rolls out. Um, so a city like San Francisco, which is right now, you know, allowing um, autonomous cars to drive in. Right. And so let's just say that the RoboTaxi uh, software and hardware is ready and that San Francisco would allow some kind of test of, say, a thousand cars or something. I can imagine that rolling out. And I can imagine if that works, if it's safe enough and, and the regulators are happy, that it starts ramping up um, and that other cities start competing to actually get the technology in their cities. And this is where I think a lot of people would disagree with me and say, no, regulators, Zach, they're slow moving. Governments are slow. I think that municipal governments and state governments are not as slow as we think. And I think that if there's going to be a disadvantage to your city to not have this, then you will actually move pretty quickly as a mayor or city council or whatever to get it. So I think it's plausible that in two or three years, we have a couple American cities with the robo-taxi network operating. Right. It's going to be like Uber. I mean, Uber came in very quickly. Everyone was super surprised, uh, most of all, you know, taxi drivers. Um, I think that it's – and I think that the hype also 
of Uber, for instance, was like super big. People were totally into it. They were like, awesome. Cheaper taxis. I can get around. It became, it fell right into the culture. You know, people were just like, you know, oh, the one night stand and then you get an Uber. But remember the two <laughs> backlashes against Uber. One is, well, they're both related around the driver. One is that the driver could be a bad person, right? And so you could be hurt by the driver. The second is that the drivers weren't paid much. And so there was a backlash of like Uber. You're just kind of taking advantage of all these people. Those two things don't happen with the robo-taxi network because there's no driver. So you, you have the backlash of Uber drivers and, uh, yeah. and uh, you know, taxi drivers, which, you know, taxi drivers are throwing bricks at Ubers. Uh, so totally not going to be the cleanest right. uh, thing in the world. But these are going to be people's cars to begin with. Totally. I think that these are going to be Model Ys and Model 3s, maybe even S's and X's that are owned by other people, um, which is not that different from Uber, uh, aside from the fact that they won't have a driver. I think that right around the time that this starts ramping up, uh, Tesla is going to start ramping up production of the robo taxi. And so I think within a few years of that, a couple, probably one or two, um, we'll start to see this robo taxi, which Tesla still might be selling to people. Um, you might be able to buy a robo taxi for $25,000. Um, uh, to get it on the network, I think the cost of full self driving, which today is $10,000, I think will be. You know, Elon has said 100,000 in that range. I think that when they turn on the network, it's got to be at least 30 to 50,000 dollars for the full self-driving option. Right. And I think that one of the things that Tesla could kind of do would be to leverage people buying the cars as a way to offset the cost of manufacturing the car because someone will buy it outright. Um, obviously, they will be, they will be financing it most likely, um, and then they might need to. They might not be able to afford full self-driving in its entirety, which um, kind of if Tesla were to sell the robo taxi at twenty five thousand and full self-driving at whatever price they set, uh, that totally makes money for Tesla. But I still think that they'd be making a percentage off of the right, uh, the ride sharing. So mm -hmm. they would say, you know, we're taking a 30 percent cut or whatever cut they want. Mm -hmm. However, if the person can't afford full self-driving, they could still buy the monthly option, which is going to be more expensive for them in the long run. But what are they going to do? They can't afford it. Maybe they can finance that if they really wanted to. Um, but Tesla's going to have their cake no matter what. Mm -hmm. And and this is the next part, which I mean, that's already hard enough for most people to stomach, right? This this vision, especially so quickly. But here's where I really do think that probably you had asked, when will this happen? I think in about 10 years, uh, Elon's going to shut off selling cars to you because It'll make more sense to keep them for themselves and right. just have the the robo taxi network. It's tough because it's it's an investment for Tesla to make, right? They're not going to make uh, all the money back the first year, and so kind of like with Solar City, although a little bit better. Like when Tesla acquired Solar City, they stopped doing as many of the power purchase agreements, um, even though they were able to bundle those. A lot of people didn't like the the math on that. Uh, and and kind of didn't value Tesla or Solar City very well because of those power purchase agreements uh, because they had so much uh, cash that kind of wasn't in hand even though it would be coming back to them sunrises every day. But with the robo taxis, I think that they would want to start out with, you know, selling the car, doing that, and the people who would be doing this wouldn't be seeing that much of a return. I, they, I think that they would just be eking by, but they're not working. Right. They're, it's, it's a passive income in right. like the most uh, 
most total sense. They made a small investment maybe or or not. Like it might just be making them money. Right. Maybe not a lot of money, but it might be making them money. And and I think that Tesla um, can kind of get the risk off their plate. But then at a certain point, why cut these people in? Uh, and Tesla, as soon as they can start to afford making robotaxis themselves, which I think that they could very quickly if they wanted to. Right, because while this is going on, other car companies are going out of business. I mean, this is the other part of the equation that, again, people don't like to hear. But Ford, GM, Toyota, Honda, there's no path that I can see that keeps them in business. They're making something that's just completely obsolete already, and it's just going to be more obsolete going forward. So, um, And we, none of us could believe that you know Kodak and Polaroid and Blockbuster and all these companies would go out of business either. They were, they were the market leaders. But as soon as Netflix comes along or you know, something else comes along, boom, they're, they're toast. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's what's going to happen, which frees up a lot of factories, frees up a lot of robots. It frees up a lot of capital that, that Elon can swoop in and, you know, either put into his factories or reutilize his factories. So it could speed up how many Teslas they can make. All right. So I want to unpack this a bit because you guys, you know, made some very interesting and, um, um, very, yeah. Um, I'll just say um, bombastic claims. Yeah. <laughs> hard to say. I didn't say hard that. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, let's for sake of discussion, let's say, okay, hypothetically, Tesla does release their robotaxi network in a few cities within two or three years. They make the robotaxi, you know, let's say in three or four years, and the networks are growing. These robotaxi networks are growing, and in urban areas, especially in other places, um, the the jump I want to kind of explore is this jump 10 years down the road you're saying where tesla will, will likely stop selling cars to the public i think um there's a few holes in that kind of uh, conclusion so the first is is kind of this concept of um ownership of a car and the variety of use cases like let's say of a car and i think like a lot of times in urban settings or people closer to cities, like it, the closer you are to a city, the less owning a car makes sense, you know, because parking is hard. It just, it just traffic is tough. It's just, everything is, there's so many negatives about a car in some ways. Um, and that's why Uber and Lyft and et cetera, they do very well in these urban settings. But the further you go out from the urban settings, the less appealing a ride sharing car is. Because for example, you know, I'm running a farm, I need to put stuff in my truck, you know? Or let's say a suburban mom or dad, they have two kids, like I have two kids and we have our car seats in our car. And I'm not gonna wanna get a ride-sharing car because I don't know what I'm gonna do with my car seats or maybe they have car seats, but I don't even know what kind of car seats they have, you know? And then I have a ton of stuff that I keep in my car too. Like, and like an avid go golfer might wanna keep their golfers. Some avid sports person might wanna keep their rollerblades and their beach ball and their basketball and their gym equipment. And there's a ton of use cases for a car where it's kind of like, even if the ride sharing network was practically instant within a minute you could still get a car regardless of that i think there's and we can debate on whether this population is one percent or 50 percent or higher but there's still a group of people that will buy a car and it might be considered a luxury item because it's obviously more expensive than let's say rideshare network etc but they will gladly buy a car because of the extra benefits that that car gives them right the extra optionality 
So, so uh, first of all, I think that Tesla, when we say that they're not going to sell you a car, they're not going to sell you their most affordable car. So maybe they'll keep selling the Model 3 performance or long range. Maybe they'll keep selling the Model Y. Maybe they'll keep selling only the S and X. Maybe the, or maybe just the Roadster. I think that they will probably, again, move up the food chain as to which cars they're going to stop selling. Okay. Um, on, on that on that thought, though, like think about it. If there's a group of people apart from the city, I say suburbs slash even rural areas, that really need a car, right, and they want a car um, to haul stuff, to carry stuff, to put stuff in, to leave it in the car basically at all times, why would Tesla pull out the rug of their most affordable cars so that these people won't have access to affordable cars. Don't you think it's in Tesla's ethos and mission to allow these people without the highest incomes in the world, let's say, to be able to afford an, a compelling electric vehicle and for Tesla to offer one of their you know, good, cheaper vehicles? So I think there's a couple solutions uh, to this problem. So first of all, um, I think that they're going the reach of these taxi networks is going to extend further out of the cities than most people would imagine. Because right now, to have an Uber function, you need a concentration of drivers and a concentration of users. And so the cities is perfect because the drivers will all flock to the cities because that's where the most users are. When the network can become autonomous, it doesn't cost you anything to have the car sitting around doing nothing. And in fact, the car doesn't have to be doing nothing. The car could be connected to V to G, and it could be balancing the grid, which could be making money, right. just having the car sitting idle. So you can have it parked in the middle of nowhere. You wouldn't want it in the middle of nowhere, but let's say in the middle of a suburb. I say, oh, I need to get somewhere. Five minutes later, the car shows up. I think that that has a – I think that that will extend the range of a car – of a ride-hailing network – a lot further than most people can imagine. And that's going to encompass a huge segment of the population, the suburbs. I think that it will be able to reach the suburbs. Yeah, because I mean, a big part of our conjecture here is V to G and VPP, so the vehicle to grid and virtual power plants. And right now, if you just look at a car as a means of transportation, you're missing a big piece of it, which is that it's this big mobile battery. It's 75 kilowatts or 100 kilowatt hours of, of battery. And being able to control that robotically, put it on and off the grid whenever you want to, means that it has a whole new value to it. Um, we've actually valued it at like $36,000 over a three-year period, um, just on kind of today's rates. So it has a whole new value, like Jesse's saying. You can go park it and just have it sit there, whereas a driver would never do that. Um, and so it, it is hard right now. We're trying to picture an Uber network working in a suburb or a rural area, but this without the driver actually does work in those areas. And so then to get to your point about the car seats, it's like, yeah, of course, you're going to want car seats. So let's have some cars that have built-in car seats. Maybe they're twice as safe because they're not strapped in with a seat belt or even, you know, just two connection points down at the base. Maybe it's built into the car. Maybe, you know, and maybe, you know, when you want to send your kids off to soccer practice, you don't have to get in the car and drive them to soccer practice. The car comes in picks them up and drops them off and can go pick them up and drive them home. So all the stress that is on so many people's families can be alleviated. It would almost in some ways be more convenient to not have to have the soccer mom uh, minivan, but instead, you know, 
oh, the kids can do whatever they want from school because they can just call a car. Um, and obviously there could come with restrictions of, of like, you know, you can only go home. You know, it will pick you up from wherever, you, like a lot of parents, just call me whenever you want. I will come get you. That's like the speech that they give. That's uh, on their little app thing because uh, all these kids have cell phones. So it could come and pick them up and drive them home. And to your point about safety. Or you so, can schedule it. I mean, so right now, you know, we don't really think of one car being safer than another other than like a Volvo or something. But once we've proven that the uh, robotaxi network is not only safer in a crash, but less likely to get into a crash, it's going to be something where it's like, do I not want my family to be in that? And so you said, you, sh you know, you'll still want to buy a car. Will you? Because the economics, let's talk about that. Uh, if you buy a car now, there's insurance and maintenance and all these different things that won't exist with the um, ro robotaxi network. And so maybe you'll want a car, but can you afford a car? If not owning a car means that you can have all this extra income for something else, it, yeah, it will be a luxury to own that car. And so we're not saying there won't be car ownership. It's just that it'll become less and less appealing. Okay, so um, let's let's uh, dissect some of these you know points here. So first on vehicle vehicle to grid, like you know I've also done the analysis and it's great. You know like I'm a big believer in vehicle to grid, uh, virtual power plants. But the thing is, if you own a Tesla, you can still be part of that you know vehicle to grid you know income generating possibility. So it's not necessarily like I think the strongest argument that it's going to eliminate one of the reasons why it'll eliminate car ownership in a sense, right? The second thing is about, let's say the soccer mom. Like, I think, I think like, cause I know a ton of, let's say, you know, uh, parents with kids and with young kids, there is no way you're going to pry a car out of their hands. Like, and the reason That's is, well, go ahead. you would have said the same thing about a horse back in the 1900s. No, but, yeah. I mean, it's just like it, because you can't picture what this new reality will look like. None of us can yet. But like, I think there's going to be so many uh, you're looking at all the problems like right, the car seats, right? Or things like that. Well, let, okay, let me let me explain a little bit more, because if, if it's like one problem of car seats, it could be fixed or solved. Right. But for example, and here, OK, let me this other point I'm going to make is if in the future car ownership drastically increases, let's say five or 10 times higher than it is right now, the cost to own a car, then I would say your argument actually is compelling in a sense. But if the cost to own a car actually stays relatively the same or it rises slightly with inflation, but yet the cost to, let's say, drive a robotaxi or get a ride in robotaxi goes down by 10 times, that's not that compelling. Meaning People, there's a proven economic use case where people are willing to pay a certain number of dollars to own a car and for transportation. Let's say it's $500 a month, let's say. But but let's only say, because you have no other choice. Actually, I would disagree with that. And let's say, hypothetically, let's say the cost to drive around goes down to $50 a month, right? So you could either own a car for $500 a month or get around, get around in the robo-taxi network for $50 a month. See, what... What the economics have proven to this point is that there's a large portion of the population that is willing to pay that $500 right now. I'm not going to say that all of them will keep that car in the future if they have a $50 option. But just because there's a $50 option and people flock to that $50 option, it doesn't mean that this $500 option becomes like a $5,000 option. It, if it remains a $500 a month option, and if they're accruing certain benefits that the robo-taxi network can't give them, 
right? That group of people will remain car owners. And so take a step, a, a few steps forward, which is it's not just um, car seats. It's like, I mean, these, these parents with like young kids, and this is one portion, there's other portions of the, uh, the population, but it's, it's like, for example, in my model three right now, I have a stroller, a portable stroller I keep in the front, right? And I need it because, you know, maybe I, I need to take out the stroller for somewhere, somewhere, sometime for the kid. You know, I want it there. I have like a diaper bag in, in the trunk, but I have extra stuff that I, it's not like I carry around all the time, you know, just for emergencies. I might have an extra change of clothes I keep in the trunk for my kids in case something happens. I have like some, maybe some sports equipment in case, you know, somewhere I might need to bring out something. I have like kids' toys in the back seat, right, that to keep them occupied. Um, I have a certain type of car seat that I want. Like I don't want a different car seat. I have a specific car seat that I think is the safest brand out there. There are like about 10 to 20 different things in the Model 3 right now that like even if I had a robo-taxi that can, can get me around for $50 a month and still can get to me in, in one minute, it still would be massively inconvenient for me as a, as a parent. Okay, so so mm -hmm. here's the thing. I just want to ask you, if we go back to 1910 and there's a million reasons why you love your horse, you just love your horse. You can't picture a day without your horse. It's mm -hmm. your best friend. But along comes the day when the when the car takes over. What do you do? No, Are see, you still taking your horse into town? Well, okay. and, but I understand you have well, actually, a lot of, especially for. Okay, for, let's, let's go to this one, and we'll yeah. go back here. See that horse car analogy is doesn't really apply in this situation because if I buy a, a, a autonomous driving Tesla and I own that Tesla, I get the full benefit and technology benefits of that Tesla and the autonomous driving. So I'm not driving a horse anymore. I'm driving the the top of the top. Right. There's no disadvantage. I'm not trying to keep a horse. I'm trying to drive an autonomous driving I'm Tesla. Saying you, you, would, be, you would yeah. not be able to afford it. But also, if you went back to 1910 or whatever, but, you, you love your horse. The, the argument you just gave for not wanting to switch to a car are similar arguments you have about your horse. It's, it's a part not, of the I would, family, say, I would like, say that, no, actually, I disagree it's, with it's, you. Yeah, it's not, it's not a similar argument because I'm saying I want the autonomous driving right Tesla. I don't want to drive. I want the car to drive myself. It's just the robo-taxi actually is actually a worse product for me than my own car where I can store a bunch oh, but of stuff. I, okay, but I right? think the point we're missing is Tesla won't want to sell it to you. And that's like, where I disagree as well. But actually, well, go, actually, um, Jesse, I want to hear what, what you have to say as well. So, I mean, I think that there are lots of different creative solutions to a lot of the different problems you brought up. Probably not all of them. Um, but, Mobile lockers. Uh, but, I mean, there are... There are people who right now have children and don't have a car, and they go through life either on public transportation or also rely on either ride hailing or taxis or walking or biking around, and they, they do make stuff work. So it is possible, but there are a lot of reasons why you especially would want a car, especially right now, and you found a lot of reasons to enjoy having and owning a vehicle. But I would argue that there really haven't been too many other alternative modes of transportation, um, especially for suburbs. I think that sub so suburbs have been designed around the car. And so if, if you live outside of a city, but still pretty close to a city, so it's not rural, it's not like, you know, you might be stranded somewhere where no one's going to come across you for a while. If you're in the suburbs, you're conditioned to own a car. Um, I think that 
this is is the big thing because when you start your life as someone who normally would have started driving a car you're not going to own the car you're going to be spending and budgeting for 50 bucks a month and then all of a sudden oh i want to have kids does that mean that i want a car Ooh, you know are we're going to need a car man i haven't been paying for a car you know people who live at their parents house uh don't pay rent so when they start paying rent they're like holy crap i'm losing so much to rent um they have to budget for that and they're not used to it it's it's kind of like uh in divorce settlements with you know million billionaires and they're like oh but i have a certain lifestyle that i'm used to it's going to be the same thing um and i think that a lot of it could be factored in uh to you know pay to a certain extent where it's like we know that you can you know it's only going to cost you 50 uh yeah go ahead i i think that elon wants to get us to a sustainable transportation future and that's his mission and so getting the car to be a more efficient uh, means of transportation is his goal. So you're owning a car is way less efficient than the robo taxi network. And I think that's what he's going to look at the equation as. Will he maybe cut off car ownership completely? Maybe not. But if he's trying to get to his goal of a planet that is 100% as efficient as possible in transportation, I think he's going to at some point cut us off from car ownership. Now, maybe some other car companies will pop up and take care of us. Maybe that's what's going to happen. But maybe it's just going to be certain segments of the population that want to own a car. It might just be parents of young children. It might be that as soon as the child is, is uh, capable enough, I don't know what age, let's say 13, 14, 15, 16, where you are going to be trusting them to walk around on their own, to uh, maybe start driving on their own. They're definitely going to be taking I just, cars places. Uh, but to your point, you said the cars are, are not going to get more expensive. Yes, they are. If you want this car that's full self-driving for your kids, you're not only going to have to buy this $25,000 Model 2. You're going to have to pay $100,000 or more for full self-driving. Most people are not going to have that money. And even if you are, are happy to drive the car yourself or even if someone else offers a, a full self-driving option, as soon as we start to lose cars that – are going to be on the road like as soon as as soon as one car owned by tesla or on the network can service five people cars are going to start to disappear from the landscape and by the landscape i do mean physically there like parking lots are going to start to become a little bit more empty and it's going to be go and you know businesses and city planners are going to be going we don't need to account for as much parking and that could you know there there could be a curve a nice balanced uh, curve that's you know parking lot you know parking spaces go down with the number of people who need parking it's not going to be that it's going to be jagged one way or another it's going to be there's too many parking spaces there's going to be too few mm -hmm. i think that it's at a certain point it's going to be inconvenient to park your car it's already inconvenient to park your car let's be honest especially if you need to go somewhere in a city as soon as they start taking away parking spaces um the geographical areas in which the parking spaces are going to exist are going to be fewer and far, further between. And, and I just want to go to another point. We, we view regulators now as being the slow, clunky thing. Once regulators understand how much safer a robo-taxi network is, they will stop allowing people to drive. Now, when is that year? I don't know, but it will happen. And when that happens, car ownership at that point is effectively dead. And yeah, I mean, I think that also is up to debate in some ways. I think because, for example, you take a, a person in a rural area who lives on dirt roads and has a truck to give hay to his, his horses or something, and he needs to 
drive it and he needs to get into town or something you might say oh yeah like he could use you know an autonomous driving vehicle obviously and sure in the future you know all everything will go autonomous but i think there are a lot of cases edge cases and things where it would stall um regulators from completely banning let's say driving human driving cars in all situations i could see that in urban areas actually i i would agree and that would be the transition right. forward i think overall though like i i get the gist of what you guys are saying and i agree on the aspect that robo taxis reducing their cost of ownership reducing the, the the cost of transportation right is hugely immense autonomous driving like you put all these pieces together and you have a radical disruption with car ownership like that i definitely agree with i'm not going to deny right. that and it doesn't have to be 100%, and there can't be uh, holdouts and, and stalwarts yeah. and things that are going to be slowing stuff down, but it's uh, a snowball rolling down a hill. It'll, it'll get bigger, and it'll, you know, we will try to push uh, for you know, fully autonomous driving in as many places as we can as soon as we can get it, just for some of the safety aspects, just because uh, the whole culture around cars is going to change when it's no longer... There's a person driving this car who has a driver's license who's over the age of 16, and I know that with every single car on the road. What is it going to be like with uh, people who have road rage when the only person inside a car might be a, a child, might be uh, you know, someone who wouldn't normally be able to drive a car, or uh, people who aren't driving the car, so why are you mad at them? Sure. That it's going to change the culture, and I know it's not going to be it's not going to be clean. It's not going to be peanut buttery smooth. It's going to be chunky and messy and gross and awful, just like the rest of the world, all the time. Yeah. What I actually envision more is like, for example, like in the suburbs. I live in a in a place with maybe hundred to two hundred thousand people, um, and it's it's not a city. It's you know more of suburbs, and like the amount of parents with kids who use tr public transportation is probably 0.001% if at most, if even that, like mm -hmm. literally it's like probably just a handful in the whole city, like very, very uh, small numbers. And like the needs that parents have to, to own, to have a lot of stuff in their car, it's, a, it's just, it's another house in a sense, you know, and the robot taxi doesn't really meet that. I mean, I think what's a more likely transition, and there are a lot of areas like what I'm talking about, is I could see a transition from two car families to one car families. Like that makes a lot more sense. Where um, there's maybe like the husband or the wife, whoever works, might be taking just you know a pooled carpooled you know robo taxi to work and back. The the mom might take you know the kids out and have. Because it's like a second house in a sense for for some of these families, um, and I think that's the more likely. I can see maybe half of car ownership go down in certain areas. I think in urban areas, you guys are spot on. I mean, I've lived in urban areas. I I went to college like in Berkeley, and like I had no car for four years, and no one even thinks about driving a car. Barely anyone because it's just a pain. You know, you don't want a car. And I think the closer you are bent in an urban setting or city, then you, it's like it's you know the car ownership is dead basically, you know, right. over time, it just makes no sense. But the further you are from urban settings, like the use cases and needs of uh, owned car actually grow substantially. And that's where I, I see like, there's always going to be, I think, a need for a person to have owned their car. And that's one of the main reasons why I think Tesla will continue to sell cars, because the need to own the car is always going to be there. And Tesla is not in business for that. 
That's, right. I mean, that's what you have to keep in mind. They're not every other company in the world. I would agree with you. They're trying. If they can squeeze out one more donut to sell to you, they would. Elon doesn't care. Uh, I don't believe he he needs us to fund him now. But the moment that he doesn't need that funding anymore, I think he'll go to his principles. And I, I think that I agree with you about specifically younger children, parents. But I think that that window isn't as long lived um, as as it feels like probably to be a parent of a of a younger person. You get through the hump and and pretty soon you have self-sufficient people who don't need tons of stuff. So I think that the time period for which uh, a particular person would need to own that that one car uh, would be fairly small. Well, and I also don't think we're picturing all of the sub-branches of things that will pop off from these new needs. So as new technology comes in, you have all sorts of new needs, right? You just mentioned you've, you know, you've got sporting stuff in your car. Why wouldn't there be some form of lockers with robots that would take care of this need and be able to transfer it from one robotaxi to another? Or things that would pop up where you're also renting your sporting equipment or renting your car seats. Like all of these things that we're kind of stuck with, like I have to own a car seat. Even that's stupid if you think about it because we own tons of car seats, but they – keep getting bigger and so you keep needing more car seats um but we're just there's no other alternative right now so we're just like of course i have to buy a car seat yeah i mean i wouldn't want to rent a car seat just because i know what happens on car seats <laughs> and i don't want some you know, like other kids but know, that's the biggest argument up, we're getting about the car seat. people are yeah. like i don't want to rent out my car i don't want people farting in my car that's that's just because that's what people have in well, their mind and let's talk about car seats they're designed to be owned by by a family who's going to use them for maybe uh, two three years and so they're built to be that that's their life they're not they're not made to be that easy to clean i've never seen cars well actually yeah it's it it could be kind of messy to clean i want to actually talk about this um uh, but I mean, you could, I'm just to, you could design a car seat that, exactly. that would be easier to clean, would last longer, but it would be way too expensive for anyone to buy and own for three years for your for your dumb kid, right? You would you want the you want the you know you want to splurge, but you're not willing to spend you know over multi thousands of dollars for a car seat that's built to last and be easy to be cleaned. I'm just saying, as soon as we get into that realm that becomes a market right yeah i mean I, I mean ultimately like i mean some of these things are i think theoretically possible but there's also other factors like just hassle you know sure i could rent sporting equipment i can rent a stroller i can rent you know car seat and all this stuff and maybe like in 50 or 100 years you know everything might be rented but there's still like so i just want to of... caution you whenever you go to the 50 or 100 year thing that's basically your uncomfortableness is so bad that you're like, it won't happen in my lifetime. You shove it off. I just urge you and your viewers, we're all going to go through this and we could be completely wrong. Maybe these Mm -hmm. ideas will never happen because humans will never stand for it. But this has happened all throughout human history. We never thought we could have an industrial revolution where all of our stuff was made in factories. That just didn't make sense. And we would have had a lot of great reasons why we couldn't or shouldn't do that. But it had a lot of them still hold up. Yeah, but, right. okay. So I want to go back. Actually, actually, this is interesting. Another interesting point of kind of like the future, because um, I, I agree in a lot of ways with when we think about the future. A lot of times we underestimate the what the future will hold, right? But on the flip side, there's another side, which is like, for example, go back to um, 1998, 1999. Um, like, I remember um, the the kind of the dawn of 
the realization of how big the internet will be. And the whole world, or at least the investing world, was tasting the internet and what it would be. And in a lot of ways, people didn't think it would take this long to get to where we're at back in 1998. They really thought that, like, in five years, it would be over. Like, the internet would just be like, you know, take over every field, every industry, everything, because it was just so dominant. And in a lot of ways, that theory, in some essence, was correct. It's the timing was off, meaning, like, you know, a lot of those predictions and the futurist view haven't even come one tenth to realization in the year 2020 after 20 years of time. Um, some of them may never come to realization, actually. But in other aspects, like it, it's come to realization in different ways. It's just the, the, the way the future rolls out oftentimes isn't what the, what is theorized by people, you know, say 20 years ago of all, like I was really into, you know, all of the futurists, all of the people, the thought leaders of the internet back at that time. And they were completely way off, like, you know, in terms of timing and actually how it turned off. And it's so difficult to predict the future in that sense. And so, I mean, there's both ways. There's a balance, I think, you know, we can't underestimate the pace of future change, but there are also certain, you know, realistic paths that this change will go through. Sure. A lot of that, though, does depend on the rate of innovation of that field. And right now we're seeing, you know, about five disruptive technologies all coming together right about now. And that wasn't happening with the Internet. That was basically one disruptive technology. So whenever you do get multiple disruptive technologies at the same time, and I, I agree with you, it depends on who's making those happen. It happens to be that Elon is making a lot of these happen. And that's just the unusual part. Yeah, I mean, back actually in 1999, 1988, I mean, there was, a, there was a ton of actually disruptive technologies. We're talking about like just the amount of like internet hardware and router switches and the, the ability to network, connect, and you know, the whole internet and computing chips. I mean, there was, there was like, I mean, in some ways it was like um, as intense, you know, in some ways. Yeah, except that it wasn't energy and transportation and the fact that we have a need for climate change to do this even faster. So there's governments actually focusing on it. I don't know. I'm just, um, yeah, timelines are really hard to pick. Yeah. And that's why, um, you know, I don't think that uh, anything is going to happen overnight. But I think that the rate of innovation of humankind is constantly changing, is constantly getting faster. And humans can't absorb exponential curves. So even though we're in the middle of one right now, and we've always been in one, uh, it still just looks like, oh, it's just this. That's, it's just a linear, slow ramp. Whereas it might be that we're at the inflection point and we're actually moving faster than we think. Mm -hmm. um, I want to actually uh, talk about this whole concept of the mission of Tesla. And I think we have some disagreements on in terms of whether the mission of Tesla will um, encourage Tesla to stop selling cars to the public or will encourage Tesla to continue to sell cars to the public. In my view, actually, I think the mission of Tesla encourages Tesla to keep on selling cars to the public. And the reason is, is because the mission of Tesla, you know, to accelerate the transition to sustainable energy, it's a mission that Elon knows very deeply that this isn't something that like one person or one company does. It's a partnership with people. And in a sense, like Elon's not going to do something that I think disenfranchises a large group of the people that he needs to make this mission a, a reality. And in that sense, like, and we might disagree on like, of course, 
the ownership aspect of cars too. But I think that since there's going to be for the long foreseeable future, the need to own a car for a certain segment of the population, in my opinion, it's completely in Tesla's ethos to embrace that people, especially because they're existing customers as well, who will continue to, let's say, a group of them will continue to buy cars and need cars. And it's going to be, I think, a very large segment of the population that will continue to need cars in certain ways. And I don't think it inhibits the, the transition to, to uh, sustainable energy because at a certain point, let's say 10 years down the road, Tesla's making 20 million vehicles. They can scale, like, you know, let's say 50% per year if they're aggressive. And they get to a point where they could sell enough cars to people who want to buy cars and they can deploy right enough cars on, on the networks. Um, and in a way it's like, um, they can, they can, uh, accelerate the advent of sustainable energy while doing both. Basically they can grow their robo taxi network extremely fast, as fast as they want, but they can also sell cars to the people they want. That to me is the ethos of Tesla. That's like the, the, in a way, like, yeah, I mean, that's your wishful. That's what you want to believe. It's not what the planet wants. And that's and therefore, I don't think it's what Elon right, wants. But, a billion cars on the planet is not what Elon wants or is really good for the planet. You're buying a car is a wasteful use of energy and resources. And so we're used to that. And there's no alternative at the moment. But when there is an alternative, I don't think that that's what he'll want. Now, maybe he'll still need to sell them to raise capital or maybe he'll still be like, well, there's so many people that still need them. I'm going to sell them. Well, and it, it could be that the model will just be different. It, it might be that instead of you buying a car and it's and instead of you ride hailing a car, you could subscribe to having a car for a certain period of time. And, you know, it's be monthly. Right. And so you you basically have the same car, kind of like a long term rental. Right. Um, but it would probably be cheaper. They could roll in the insurance because uh, basically you wouldn't be driving it. So Tesla could internalize the insurance. They're well on their way by already having insurance. So maybe for the for the years that you decide that you need a car to own, you could be subscribing to that. It's more expensive than ride hailing, um, which could be another thing that you subscribe to. Maybe it's I, I, you know, have a certain number of miles every month or, I, you know, it doesn't matter. But you could have it for the period of time that you need it. And then when you say, hey, you know, why am I still paying for this? Uh, you know, the kids can go get their own, um, you know, Tesla uh, ride hailing cars. Uh, we don't need we don't need this expense in our life anymore. Let's let's get rid of the 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 subscription to the car. I, I just also, you know, you pointed to suburbia and people who are fortunate enough to live in suburbia um, there's a huge cost to living in suburbia. Many people are basically underwater on their mortgages. A large part of that cost is car ownership. It's a huge fraction of your, it's a large piece of the pie of your expenses every month. And so if you can reduce that down to whatever, 50 bucks a month, that opens up people to have more choices about where they want to live and what they want to do. And so I'm just saying, you know, we're just, again, looking at through the lens of what we see now. It is very hard to see through the lens of change because we think that change will have to be some futuristic sci-fi movie. And I'm just positing, what if it's not? What if it's actually within our lifetime? Yeah, I mean, um, so I think it, it works both ways, meaning like you might say, for example, it's wishful thinking for me to say that a Tesla will still sell cars. 
But in some ways, I could say on the flip side, it could be said, maybe it's wishful thinking for you to say that, oh, Tesla won't sell cars because it's going to be better for the planet. I think in some ways, it's a balance of not just what's possible, but what's also realistic and what's, um, because it's very complicated, obviously, right? But I think um, in some ways to, and I think the, the point I'm making is for Tesla to really get to this point where they're not going to sell any cars to the public, this is a radical change. I mean, I think we can all agree that this is a radical change to to Tesla's business model, wouldn't, to their whole ethos, to customers. Say, I'm just, but wouldn't you say it's a radical change to build a car with Falcon wing doors, or wouldn't you say it's a radical change because that would never happen before? Uh, a radical change to have rockets that land, or to start a boring company, or just or, to start an electric car company. Right. I mean, I'm just <laughs> saying Elon is not. He's a first principles guy, and so I'm just saying let's go. If we want to understand how he thinks. Let's go back to how he thinks, which is first principles. He does not think about it in terms of the way we normally think about it. Actually, I would actually I would argue that Elon uh, actually thinks there is going to be car ownership into the future, and that um, hasn't. I mean, is it just? I don't know if I am recalling correctly, and maybe you or maybe one of our viewers can can pitch in. But I I thought I remember Elon saying that people will continue to own cars even after autonomous driving. Like he sees car ownership as not going away completely. Well, there is, yeah. I think, a transition period. Obviously, it's not going to be one day where you know a bunch of trucks are going to pull up and t t take your car out of the driveway and go crush it. Um, there will be a, a pretty lengthy uh, time frame where I think the car ownership will exist and people will be allowed to drive. Um, I think that it's it, it could be a it could be a lengthy process, but yeah. Tesla might do it early. They have every reason to want to do it early, and if they have enough, um, you know, competition or whatever that is still selling cars, they might say that's great for the people who need cars. You can go buy uh, your BMW, uh, Volkswagen, Daimler, uh, conglomerated, uh, you know, car company car. Go right ahead, go buy the electric car, and then when you're sick of it, you know, I guess you're going to sell it or you know, maybe they will do a subscription service or something that will meet the needs of, of certain people who, you know, feel that the need to own a car for longer periods of time. And there will be places where, yes, people are going to be driving cars uh, and trucks for, you know, like you said, on the farm. Sure. I, I, I don't see any uh, real downside if, you know, there's plenty of farm vehicles that aren't really uh, allowed on uh, public roads, although they are, they just drive very slowly and you drive around them. I, I, I do think that that could happen, but I think that Elon can't really let on right. that. All throughout his plans, <laughs> he's had some public plans and then he's had some not so public plans. And I'm just positing that a lot of the plans that are coming up are probably not the public parts. Because it's going to be stuff that people really don't want to hear. Right. You know, it's really disconcerting and, and, uncomfortable to to think that like yeah i'm buying i'm buying a model 3 right now like i bought a model 3 just a couple of years ago and and to think that like that's stupid <laughs> you know like that hurts my ego that's what, what the heck i just i just bought it and to now think that like yeah that's kind of dumb and that's going to be pretty dumb in the future it's kind of the same as uh you know the cell phones that i've had you know i pull them out of the drawer every once in a while and i'm just like turn them on and of course, it barely stays awake, and, and I just go like, wow, was I a 
dope, you know, mm-hmm. using this stupid thing. I, I think that we're going to look back in much the same way. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I get it because like I've always been into the future. I'm always, you know, thinking 10, 20 years down the road. Um, the thing is like, I think um, in this specific case, I, I really think that the car ownership aspect is 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 stronger than maybe uh, what it appears. Like for example, take Elon Musk for example. Um, Ten years from now, is Elon Musk going to own a car or not? And my answer is for sure he's going to own a car. And the reason is it's not because I don't I don't understand future and where technology is headed. I completely get get that. It's because I under, like the reality is Elon has what six kids. He's got a security detail. And, like, and he's super rich. He can totally afford that. And there yeah. will totally be right. the rich who are always going to own whatever vehicles they're traveling in. Exactly. I mean, but, they own planes. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that, like, yeah, for Elon Musk to travel, he needs, like, a few, at least two or three, four cars to handle all the people. And he, it needs to be the the cars that he has, he owns. Like, it can't just be some random car off the street. and. Uh-huh. It's because of security. Is because of different, you know, things like like this is just the reality, right? And I, I get. I don't. I don't understand that. Like, you're you're still stuck in right now. I don't see why in the future he couldn't call up six of whatever cars he needs. Yeah, it's to get because to the airport. yeah, it's because of, for example, with the security detail, that the security details needs needs need to know that the cars aren't, you know, are safe. They aren't. They have nothing's been planted. Nothing smells weird. Nothing is anything like. There's a lot. There's like. I mean, once you get up to that level of protecting, let's say someone like if Elon Musk, one of the richest people in the world, there's a million things that have to happen that you can't do in a robotaxi car. Well, that makes sense. I think that there will be car ownership in the future. Right. You can have your your very expensive, uh, fully autonomous self-driving car in the future. I think that that's completely legal. It's going to be very wealthy people who have who have them. Think of the people who own the cars now that are sitting in the driveway that definitely cost over a hundred thousand dollars. Those people are all going to have full self-driving cars. That's they will own them. They will certainly want to want to keep them. I totally think that that will happen for a very very long very long time, uh, further than I can, further than a hundred years probably. There will always be the people who own the cars if they'll sell them to. Sure. If they'll well, I think that there will be that market you know, for the rich people who own the cars. But for, I mean, planes are an excellent example. You, you can buy a plane now. Uh, you, it's not particularly practical. It's very expensive. Right. You generally, when you use a plane, you're, you're using it also with a ton of other people. Um, but you're kind of renting the plane. You're kind of ride sharing the plane. I hope that conversation was helpful. If it was, please consider liking the video to help spread the word and subscribing to my channel for future updates. Part 3 of this series will be coming out tomorrow. I'll also release a link to the full conversation I had with Zach and Jesse in the video description of tomorrow's video. On my channel, we're looking at the world through various lenses, trying to get beneath the surface of things. All my YouTube videos are also available as an audio podcast, so you can just search for Dave Lee on investing at your favorite podcast app. Also, I'm active on Twitter, and my handle is HeyDave7. I hope to see you in my next video. Thanks.